0: Hey, JB, I heard there's a celebration. You know me. I I always come uh, prepared. I got a little wine for the celebration going on here. Hey, uh, So uh, what are we celebrating, though? I I didn't get that part of the memo.
1: It's actually D3 week. So this is the week of the year where we celebrate any and all things D3. um, Hashtag D3 week. Hashtag YD3. Hashtag D3FB, like our show in the D3FB hall.
0: I like it. Okay, so maybe the wine isn't the best idea. Let me put that to the side, um, although I might be drinking that later, the way this week's going. <laughs> but uh, for those that yeah. don't know what D3 week is, uh, this is number 10, I believe, the 10th annual D3 week. Explain it to the folks, uh, because uh, it seems kind of like a odd little distinction to make, but I, I think you know more than anybody uh,
1: or more than most what it is. Well, yeah, I mean, we are the biggest uh, division out of out, uh, out there. I mean, four or 500-some-odd schools across the country, um, the true student-athlete experience, and it's one where most of our champions are named on the field, although, fortunately, this week we, we saw a little diversion from that, and we'll, we'll get into that a little more. Um, and it's been a great spring season of um, some exciting championship games. We, we, we're going to talk to – Presley Egbert is the quarterback from Randolph-Macon, who had one of the most amazing walk-off overtime um, plays that I've ever seen and helped lead his team to an ODAC title. Uh, A couple other conferences are starting to wrap up their uh, conference races out in Ohio. Um, The OAC, the Heartland is going to start wrapping up soon. The PAC from Pennsylvania is not too far behind. You got the NACC out there in the Midwest. So. We're kind of getting towards the last you know couple of weeks of the of the spring season. We're hoping to see maybe other couple of games pop up here. but in the meantime, we're trying to give you all the highlights from what happened in week nine and, and talk about some of the different storylines that are kind of coming into week 10 at D3.
0: Sounds like we've got a lot to do. Uh, one note, you know the reason the show was founded was on the YD3 principle of student athletes deserve the recognition just because they're not Division one. Uh, you know, FBS or uh, Division One overall uh, does not mean they shouldn't get the credit for playing for the love of the game at the end of the day, and that's why we are here and present as many student-athletes as we do, and as you said, Presley Egbers is probably one of the best examples of that when you hear his interview or see it in a little bit, you're going to be like, wow, if we judged athletes on poise and posture, he's Division One All-America right there uh, based on yeah. that alone. But uh, nonetheless, he uh, is a star in D3. We're not stars in D3. Uh, we are more infamous than famous on most days. So let's show people why on this episode number 13 of season 13. It's double 13s of In the Huddle. <laughs> Okay, so a little housekeeping at the front of the show. Uh, we had intended on bringing a, uh, an interview uh, with Coach Kyatt of uh, Brevard uh, on this show. The The interview is just so long and not cuttable because of the information presented is so good. So uh, you're going to see that interview. Uh, the, here's just a screenshot of it from uh, earlier that we did, uh, this interview with Coach Kyatt. On Wednesday at noontime, we're going to drop that uh, episode, so make sure to tune in for that. Uh, again, a lot of good information about the whole USA South controversy. We'll, do, we'll have that discussion there. We will not be running clips of the USA South games from this weekend because uh, we don't feel comfortable, to be honest with you, at this time to use yeah. any property of the USA South. Uh, in our show. Uh, there are season and desist letters going around from the conference to the schools, and we don't know where this is going to end up ultimately. So we will have the scores and stats on the crunch time slides, but that's it uh, under the circumstances. Uh, we're disappointed in that, but at the same time, uh, we're not going to get ourselves in trouble uh, in this whole thing uh, for any reason or have to fight a fight like that, any more than we already know. have yeah seriously <laughs> uh, there's a limit here to what we're going to uh, go through on this too but if you have concerns address them to tom hart etc at the usa south uh, we sure. will though as uh, usual uh, or as uh, the recent usual do a friday show with schedule of week 10 and predictions that I feel like I had a good week last week. I didn't check, and then I got the COVID shot.
1: You, uh, we, t- we tied again, uh, although you did – you you beat me the week before, but we tied. I think we both went 8-1. and one. Um, I hit on the on the Mount St. Joe's, and, and you hit on the Randolph-Macon um, picks, but otherwise pretty even. But you're still up, uh, so I'll give you that. Um, yeah, we'll see if that can change in the next week. But it was a really competitive weekend, and there were some really great – Championship quality games. This is sort of championship season now in the spring. We're going to see some conference races start to wrap up. The uh, the ODAK season was was a great one, and congratulations to Jeranoff. Macon. we'll talk a little more about that in just a few minutes. Pen in hand, mm. notes in
0: hand, more notes in Here hand. We go. Duncan's like war or something. <laughs> I, I I think it's that time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Apparently, the word has gotten out because. Tom Hart said, as you probably know, free speech can be limited. <laughs> I, I'm guessing he's thinking because I'm a lawyer. Mm. Uh, you, you Maybe. Know what? Yes, yes, I am. But th- there are certain aspects of the law I try to avoid. Uh, family law is one of them, so please don't call me on that. Uh, traffic court's another. Don't call me on that. Yeah. And constitutional law, uh, I mean, that can be a real nope, lot thanks. of fun for those out there. Let's go to football. It's time for Crunch Time for week number nine. Let's start with the Thursday games. No video to show you here, but we're going to talk uh, briefly here about Carnegie Mellon at Waynesburg, and Carnegie Mellon just rolled over Waynesburg 51-0, to outgaining them 455-81 to in the field. Ben Armbruster, seven catches, 117, two touchdowns four interceptions by Carnegie Mellon's defense. Also, in a game that we alluded to on Friday, Washington Jefferson only beats Geneva 20-6. to There were 93 rushing plays in this game total. Uh, Joey Caroli with 22 rushes, 138 yards and a touchdown. And quarterback Amos Luptek had 28 rushes, 115 yards and a touchdown. That's unheard of. If, we, if you think of a, That's a football a game, like 120 plays generally in a football game, maybe less in all rushes. Uh, that's that's a huge percentage. In the CCIW, uh, we'll talk more about this conference later on, in crunch time. Carthage uh, beats North Park as the homestanding team. Carthage was 21-0. Billy Drury, Dury, excuse me, with a 19-for-34 day, 206, one passing, one rushing touchdown. Uh, but the uh, Carthage defense, six sacks, interception, and held North Park to. Minus 24 rushing yards in the game. Great way to shut out a team right there. 24. Let's go Jeez. to the videotape finally, as Adrian and Olivet played one heck of a game. We're gonna start this though. Uh, first we'll say Adrian was down 21 to 3 in this game until 9 seconds left in the first half. Uh one yard Jack Worcer touchdown run made it 21 to 10 at halftime. Field goal later, 21-13. So Adrian's trying to come back in this game. In the fourth quarter, eight seconds into it, Adrian's Henry Wilson gets a 34-yard 30, touchdown pass from the aforementioned Worser, And the two-point conversion pass by Henry Wilson was good, or to him. I, I always love how these box scores say it's by Henry Wilson. It was to him, and it was good. Uh, yeah. 21-21 tie game at that point. So an 18-point comeback by Adrian. 3:02 left. Adrian gets a one yard run again from Jack Werzer, 28 21. Adrian leading. Olivet's Sequarius ball, love the name, 10 yard pass from Caleb Geert. He makes it 28 27. Here's the extra point. The it's, it's, good, it's good, but a down. penalty flag He's on the field. False start. False start was the call. So the kick should have never happened. So they line up again to do it and obviously bulldogs he's going to be good jumped. well they get back snap
2: hold kick Ooh. and it might have been milk no, tipped and it goes wide left the kick is wide left he missed it bulldogs by a point
0: it's no good the onside kick failed the final score 28-27 adrian those kicking woes again you see the stats on oh, your screen spring. It's just been uh, plaguing teams left, right, and center. And uh, as I said, uh, the stats right there for you for the uh, different players and situations in that game. Let's do more video here as Wesley traveled to Christopher Newport. And uh, this might be Wesley's last ever game. And the first half was really a defensive struggle, as seen here at the end of the first quarter. Uh, In the second and nine play, Xander Jedlik, the quarterback for Christopher Newport, is stripped of the ball uh, after a six-yard gain. Uh, Darren Matthews had forced it, and DeAndre Curry recovers it for Wesley. That led to a 16-play scoring drive in which Latrell McCants scored a two-yard rushing touchdown. The only points of the half in the uh, extra point attempt was no good, so it was 6-0 at halftime. In the third quarter, Wesley took control midway through the third quarter uh, as Latrell McCants, again, from 10 yards out, gets the touchdown, makes it 14-0, Wesley. They were in control. Final score, 23-7, Wesley. McCants with 16 rushes, 91 yards in those two touchdowns that we talked about. Montclair State, in the other NJAC game, beats William Patterson 28-0 as Montclair wins the NJAC North Division. Uh, running back, uh, Bellany Mendez with 19 rushes, 111 yards, two rushing touchdowns, and a receiving touchdown. Zach Zacone with 11 tackles and an interception. What's interesting to me here, JB, uh, the NJAC seems to be in wrap-up mode here uh, at this point, and we're, we're crowning champions with very low numbers of games being played. But uh, it, it's just been refreshing to see NJAC play of any kind.
1: Yeah, and ultimately it's better than nothing, and congrats to uh, the Red Hawks on their North Division title. Uh, Obviously, Salisbury wrapped up the South Division the week before, and yeah, I mean, only three games. There could have been a few others here and there. There have been some cancellations, including what we thought was going to be a game down in Dover uh, this weekend, but more on that in a little bit, but stay. as far as East Region teams go, this was uh, a huge opportunity that not really many um, East teams were afforded, so Credit the Jack for making it happen, and uh, c- congrats to these teams for getting a very few uh, of these games actually in.
0: Heidelberg and Otterbein faced off in the OAC on Friday night, and obviously an emotional game here after the passing of Curtis Hellman. Uh, they came yeah. out a little slow. We suggested this is one of the uh, scenarios that can happen in these situations. Otterbein uh, gets a 20-yard pass from uh, Bryce Hall to Reed Tucker. Uh, to take the early 7-0 to lead. Uh, Heidelberg got a 37-yard Brandon Steckel field goal midway through the second Not pictured here. But just before halftime, that Maceo Matthews back at again, a 66-yard touchdown pass from Drew Sims, made it 10-7 Heidelberg. That was the halftime score. And after halftime, uh, Maceo Matthews, 15-yard pass from Drew Sims again. Uh, that made it 17-7 Heidelberg. Later in the third, uh, just about two minutes later, Montavious Yearby with his 78-yard run. 24-7 Heidelberg, the final. Heidelberg wins at 44-14 on the road. Uh, Heidelberg scored 24 points total in the third quarter. Outgain Otterbein, 640 to 281 in total yards. And Drew Sims, those three touchdowns and one on the ground in addition to it. Mount Union, 20. Marietta, 3. Very close game for most of this game. Uh, Marietta held uh, Mount Union to eight points in the first half, specifically in Braxton Plunk, went 27 for 47, three touchdowns, uh, over 300 yards passing. Mason McMillan with 13 tackles. Ohio Northern 35, Wilmington 22. ONU's remained undefeated uh, at 3-0, we should note there. Uh, Brody Hahn with a 317 total yards night, four passing, one rushing touchdown. The defense had seven sacks for ONU. Uh, I want to go back to, uh, to you for a second, though. That Heidelberg game obviously was tough emotionally to watch uh, for all parties involved. And I sent a note to Coach Donaldson saying, I would love to hear your halftime speech as your team sort of underperformed in the first half. And he, he just gave it to the kids. He said the kids were uh, the responsibility of coming back in this game. I didn't have to say anything. So they knew, obviously, to kick it up a notch.
1: Yeah, and they certainly did. I mean, over 600-something yards of offense, they just kind of came, uh, came, you know, Live for lack of a better term in the third quarter, it was like something just lit a fire underneath them, and they carried that momentum all the way to a pretty lopsided win. I'm sure, it was a very cathartic experience for them after uh, you know all the memorials and the, and the challenges that they faced in the prior week. But I think you know in Curtis's memory, this is exactly what he would have wanted uh, them to do, and they went out and they, they won a big game.
0: We talked about it at the front of the show, the USA South, uh, no clips here. We're just going to go through the scores and uh, briefly discuss it. More on these, uh, this situation, I guess we should say, tomorrow or Wednesday, if you're watching this on Tuesday. Uh, Maryvale beats uh, Averett 27-24 on Friday. Uh, Trevor Thomas, 15 for 24, 280, three touchdowns and an interception. Bryce Jackson, 55 passes, completed 30 of them, three touchdowns, 331 yards with two interceptions. Uh, Brevard beats North Carolina Wesleyan 44-14 as uh, they move to four and one overall Dalton Cole 97 total yards three rushing touchdowns Steve Hogan uh, for Brevard uh, who we weren't sure if he'd be uh, the starting quarterback or who would be exactly 13 for 17 204 two yard uh, two touchdowns excuse me and Huntingdon wins what we call the de facto at this point uh, championship game for the USA South 31 to 20. Landon Cotney with three rushing touchdowns. Huntington had a great time of possession advantage, about 13 minutes. 18 tackles by Roderick Christian Jr. Uh, in that game, in, in a crossover game, Greensboro beats Suwanee 24-21. Uh, Suwannee technically an SAA team, and so that's why it's a crossover. Greensboro wins basically on a Zach Ellison 32-yard game-winning field goal. Remember the whole let, them, uh, let the parents watch uh, movement? His mother oh, yeah. was uh, the uh, leader of that, Elizabeth Ellison. So everything comes full circle. <laughs> Zach gets a game-winning field goal in his final collegiate game. Congratulations to him and his family on uh, everything that happened uh, this year uh, with respect to that program and them. Let's talk about uh, the Presley Egbers moment. Uh, but first, before we get to that moment, we have to tell you about the lead-up to it in the ODAC championship as Emory and Henry travel to Randolph-Macon. Tim Hanratty had a six-yard pass from Presley Egbers in the fourth quarter. We didn't have any scoring until the fourth quarter, folks. It was 0-0. Now it's 7-0. Randolph Minkin with 937 left in the fourth. About five minutes later, T.J. Tester had a five-yard pass from Hunter Taylor to tie the game 7-7. We went to overtime in this game. First one up was Emory and Henry. Zach Baber tries a 22-yard field goal and makes it. It's 10-7. Emory and Henry. You've heard about it. You know about it. Here we go. We're in overtime 10 7, Emery and Henry. Egberts lost the ball, picked it up in the air, and is going to score! The
1: miracle at Day Field in overtime! And for the 12th time in school history, Randolph Macon College Football is your
2: Old Dominion Athletic Conference champion. What a play. How, what do you call that? The bounce back?
1: I don't know. Ball came right back into his hands as you can see the Wash defenders. That's Phillips in the middle of the field knowing that he had a
0: chance to make a play on that ball. Multiple ways to look at it. Multiple ways uh, we're going to show it to you. And we'll show you again later on with the Presley Egbers interview. 13-10, to 10. I mean, you talk about Gonzaga's you know, walk-off on Saturday night before losing the national championship game. This is a walk-off that was either you lose the championship or you win the championship. No second overtime probably in the equation once that ball was uh, kind of fumbled in the air there. So 13-10 final, Randolph making, for the 12th time, ODAC champions. Egbert's 13-yard game-winning touchdown rush, as you saw, uh, Taylor with the 27 for 49 day 299 it's amazing that much yardage passing but that few points uh, as a result of it for Emory and Henry uh, touchdown interception yep. uh, and Rice with nine receptions 111 yards for Emory and Henry also Hampton Sydney 49 Farum 21 uh, as uh, Hampton Sydney finishes a 4-1 Caleb Smith 14 rushes 82 yards three touchdowns Cole Becker 18 rushes 108 yards but Uh, in a touchdown Billy Higgins from Farum despite the uh, loss 20 (laughs) tackles that is the most we have seen this spring the uh, most hands down yeah so great performance by him and also in Mike Clark's final game as head coach Bridgewater 22 Shenandoah 14 coach Clark goes out a winner Uh, he was a winner in so many ways without that happening so it's fitting there Jordan Burden and Deshaun Davis had 19 and 32-yard interception returns for touchdown. And Isaiah Farmer, nine tackles, tackle for loss, and game-winning interception. Let's go to the videotape again as we have the Greenville game here against Iowa Wesleyan. I want to say Ohio Wesleyan for the worst uh, way, or in the worst (laughs) way. But Greenville. Lots of Wesleyans. uh, Yep, they were leading Iowa Wesleyan 14-7 at halftime. Greenville adds to that on a a, a 12-yard. Javian Smith interception return. The pick six made it 21 7. Iowa Wesleyan comes back a minute 40 later. Braden Ross with a five yard pass from Gavin Esquivel. He made, or they made it a 21 13 lead for Greenville. Then in the last play of the third quarter, Damian Tenilis gets a 31 yard pass from Gavin Esquivel. Uh, that's now a 21 19 game as the two point conversion rush fails. So Now a two-point game. Iowa Wesleyan again with Hezekiah Hunter, a three-yard touchdown run, made it 25-21 again after a failed two-point conversion attempt by Iowa Wesleyan. Can Greenville bounce back? We've seen this happen so many times this season. Big leads lost, and then the team that gave up the lead finds a way. And Paul Garrett forgot. uh, uh, He didn't forget. Iowa Wesleyan forgot to leave secondary on this play, basically, because he busted through the line on a fourth-and-one play for a 61-yard touchdown run. Unreal. It's at that, that point, 28-25, Greenville. And the uh, last thing we're going to show you, uh, well, we can't show you. Unfortunately, the video got lost at this point. This little chunk of video that we're missing. Oh, man. Gavin Esquivel's pass was intercepted by Jaden Apple Gibbs at the goal line, and that ended the game. Greenville wins at 28-25. You can see the stats right there. A great UMAC game indeed. Also in the UMAC, Northwestern Minnesota with another great game against Minnesota Morris. A 27-23 win for Northwestern Minnesota. Uh, Marcus Reeb, he had a pass intercepted by Damon Clapper to win the game in the final uh, minute. Three sacks, three interceptions for the UNW defense in that game also uh if we go to the nacc i've got a heck of a game for you to see here uh, jb and i think you were following this one a little bit but uh, i i will take your comments on it when we get to it in a moment and that is the aurora versus benedictine game and this was a back and forth game let's i'll show you just an example of it to start the game 49 seconds in Brock Harner gets a 68-yard pass from Gavin Zimbelman for the touchdown. It's 7-0 Aurora to start. Then later on, about 627 left in the first quarter, uh, DeAndre Holiday gets a 55-yard pass from Tyler Jarnigan. Uh, that's a 7-7 game. Back and forth, back and forth, halftime score 14-13 Aurora. Three seconds left, third quarter, uh, DeAndre Holiday again gets a 17-yard touchdown pass from Jarnigan. It's 20 to 14 Benedictine. The team's trade a touchdown for Aurora and a field goal for Benedictine. And then in the fourth quarter halfway through, Alex Lopez a 9-yard touchdown pass from Jarnigan makes it 30 to 21 Benedictine. So now it's a 9-point game. This is pretty much over, right? Well, Gavin Zimbleman decides to take things into his own hands quite often here. First a 2-yard touchdown run by him makes it 30 to 28. Uh, and look what happens here on this ensuing kickoff.
1: Trail by two. Here's the kickoff by Kerr. There's a pooch kick, and the Spartans come up with it. No way! They did this last week twice against the Cougars, and the Spartans come up with it, and they take it all the way down.
0: They kick it where nobody was. They recover the ball. Unreal. And as a result... Great call. 109 left. Absolutely was. He did it the previous week, too. Gavin Zimbelman, again, with a four-yard touchdown run. What power he tried to put behind some of these runs. Uh, He's not just a great arm, folks. 36-30, Aurora has the lead. And then at the end of the game, Tyler Jarnigan intercepted by Jeffrey Williams at the goal line on this Hail Mary attempt. That's the final, 36-30, in favor of Aurora uh again stats on the screen before i get to the rest of these scores though jb these are the types of games we love to see and they're not anomalies we're seeing so many of them this spring season
1: yeah and this is almost like a, a one versus two you know kind of top uh, you know top two seeds and what would have been like a, a crossover tournament type of situation although you know Lakeland. Undefeated, still they 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 are going to make a strong case for for that um, division uh, championship or, or conference title, what have you. But yeah, I mean Zimbelman's arm kind of gave him a little trouble with the you know through three picks, had to kind of adjust his game and you know kind of use that big offensive line to help him get in the end zone on some rush, rushing plays for a change. I'm sure he'll rebound. It's certainly one of those things that you know not everyone has you know, their best days, but he, he uh, still able to get the job done and get his team a win.
0: Also in the NACC, Eureka 26 Concordia Chicago three has three, t- three passing touchdowns by Eureka's Nathan Garrard, uh in that game and a 55yard pick six for Jack Arnett. Lakeland 62, Wisconsin Lutheran 14. I think Lakeland uh, remains perfect at 3-0 if uh, memory serves here, and Mm -hmm. uh, I'm confirming on my screen here too. Uh, Tez Nunnery with the uh, four-touchdown day uh, plus a rushing touchdown on top of the four passing touchdowns for him. Uh, We see Rockford in the NACC, a 20-14 win over Concordia, Wisconsin. Concordia tried to come back in this game for a second straight week, but they failed on this one. As Rockford led 20 to nothing at the half. Uh, Concordia's quarterback, though, James Lynn, had 60 passing attempts in that game. So you can see where the uh, offensive strategy was there, especially as they fell back in that game. In the ARC, Central beat Simpson 49 to 14 as Central gained Simpson 495 to 319 in total yards. Blaine Hawkins with a 21 for 27 day, 193, four touchdowns, two interceptions. Loris 45, Luther 21 as Loris moves to 2 0. Lourdes trailed 21-14 with 13-18 in the third quarter, uh, scored 31 unanswered points. Parker Kaiser with 26 rushes, 104 yards in that game. Final page, here we go in the Heartland. Rose Holman 34, Franklin 14 as Rose Holman moves to 3-1 in the battle of one-loss teams prior to this game. Uh, Their defense had three interceptions and four sacks. Shane Welshens 33 rushes, 159 and a touchdown. A pick six as well by Michael Stevens for rose Holman. Defiance, 42, Anderson, 19. Defiance outgained Anderson, 523 to 324 in yardage. And uh, Navarius Williams and Tyshawn Freeman combined for Defiance with 34 rushes, 240 yards, and four touchdowns in the ground. Mount St. Joseph, 47, Bluffton, 21. Interesting, Bluffton just can't get it back together again. seems like I think that's three in a row for them that they've lost now. Josh Taylor for Mount St. Joseph uh, with 227 yards passing, 183 rushing, six total touchdowns on the day. Back to the videotape. You want overtime? We got overtime for you. A lot of it. Here it goes. (laughs) Milliken at Augustana. The game ended as 14-14. We go straight to overtime one. Augustana starts overtime one with the ball. Alec Jacobs gets a 10-yard touchdown run. It's a 21-14 game. Milliken responds though, Colton Lockwood, it's the 11 yard pass from uh, Cal Porte, uh, or Cal Port I think is the correct pronunciation, makes it 21-21, the flag you saw was defensive pass interference flag, they did not go for two, no. In overtime number two, Milliken starts with the ball, Marion McGee with a six yard touchdown run, it's 28-21 Milliken, Augustana responds, Jacob Brooks with a 10 yard touchdown run, they chose also not to go for two, even though they'd be forced to in the third overtime. They started with ball to Drogstana in one play. Bobby and Sarah, with a 25-yard pass from Jacobs, makes it 34-28 after the conversion rush by Jacobs failed. Milliken has a chance here. Miriam McGee, five-yard run is good. It's 34-34, but they get the first attempt at a two-point conversion, holding call, And so they have to go and try it again and fail. So after three overtimes, we are still tied 34-34. Milliken starts with the ball in the fourth overtime. There's that Miriam McGee again for the third time in overtimes getting the touchdown on the ground. It's now 40-34 Milliken after uh, Port's pass failed. But here's the last Mm -hmm. play, fourth and ten for Augustana. Alec Jacobs is incomplete. Milliken wins the game in four overtimes, 43-4. And you can see the stats right there. uh, Just back and forth, up and down. Again, another fantastic finish this week. Augustana was trying for their... uh, That was her first lead, I think, of the season, actually, they had taken in overtime. They just couldn't hold on for it finally in a non-conference game martin luther 34 ripping 16 ripping it led 10 to 0 until martin luther said hey it's our game here 34 points in a row by them in that game that is crunch time for week nine of the spring 2021 division three college football season okay buddy uh Plenty of video clips there, uh, but uh, luckily the time shrinks a little bit as we lose some games here, and we're going to lose some more over the next two weeks, uh, not from just cancellations, but just schedule shrinkage, uh, as uh, conferences you pointed out earlier are going into the clubhouse basically now. Uh, We'll see a couple or maybe just one USA South game involving uh, Brevard-Sewanee essentially coming up, uh, but not much else there. Uh, it's going to kind of be the UMAC Midwest Conference show coming up once we get about two to three weeks out from where we are right now, and championships get handed yeah. out elsewhere. We brought it up earlier. Uh, Wesley needs an opponent, folks, and if you know a team willing to play Wesley at Wesley on April seventeenth or that weekend, please step forward and help them get a game because it would really suck at this point that they cannot continue or cannot end in a way that we were hoping they could. Uh, Stevenson had scheduled a game with them, and Stevenson had scheduled a a game against a conference opponent, Alvernia, for uh, last weekend. That game got postponed to this weekend, which unfortunately was the weekend they were supposed to play Wesley. So, okay, you just bumped that game right to the next week. No, because there was a Susquehanna game scheduled by Stevenson, for the following weekend, the weekend of the 17th. So if that game does play, then Wesley loses their opponent and loses their final home game and final game, period. Um, They'll play an inter squad scrimmage, I guess, in uh, the alternative, but that would not be the way people would want to go out, obviously. Um, Make make your uh, plea to teams out there, because I think you can put it better than even I can about what this can mean for Wesley and for anybody that steps forward here.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's a it's a great opportunity on multiple levels. I mean, if you know, let's say, worst case scenario, you schedule the game and and Wesley wins, you know, you get to play against one of the the longstanding best programs in the East South region for the last two decades, and you know, there's no shame in that. Plus, you you know, give those kids the opportunity to to get some game tape and uh, and really test yourself against what's been you know one of the one of the standards of of excellence in Division three. Flip side is let's say you win the game, um, that's quite a feather in your cap. And while it would, you know, sure it would be disappointing for the, the Wesley players to to lose in their final home game, at least they had a chance to to play and a chance to win in the game, um, you know, in their backyard. Really, you know, either way, I think is 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 certainly a very positive um you know, message and and certainly something that could be uh yeah, you know, a great opportunity on on, on both levels. At the end of the day, football is about competition. You want to get to be you know a better program. You gotta you gotta be able to play and and beat programs that have you know been sort of the standard bearers like Wesley. Anyway, so give it a shot and and see where you're at.
0: Like I said, I couldn't set it better myself, uh, and I hope the team does step forward and takes up the challenge on this one. So, um, Presley Egbers, uh, we showed. I'm gonna show it to you again. Here it is. Unbelievable job to collect the ball. But once you talk with him, you realize this guy is that person that's got the mental ability to know, oh my God, I've gotta take responsibility and accountability here and get this ball and go with it, ultimately. Uh, Just really, when you meet him and talk with him, you understand how this play even transpired, uh, hands down. And so we asked him about this play and to kind of take us through it.
2: Yeah, well, it was a play that uh, we ran a lot in practice that week, and you know, um, it was a play that we were designed to, you know, it was we could either go one way and hit the edge, or we could hit it up the middle. And um, at the last second, I decided to pull it. And uh, the guy that was running the ball, he was kind of clamping onto the ball a little bit, so the ball kind of popped up in the air, and I saw it and. Uh, I was like, we got. I, so I picked it up and grabbed it, and I was like, I gotta go. And by that time, <laughs> I saw it. I was like, There's a. It's wide open, um, and the rest is history. You know, the offensive line did a great job being able to create that hole. So
0: I gotta go. Yeah, I mean, it was I that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was it. Was sort of like straight out of one of those, you know, football movies or varsity blues or something like that kind of thing. It was. It was just so surreal at the moment there because yeah, you're down. Uh, you basically need to score to to win the game. Um, ball pops up, and like you said, you know, sort of wide open up, and you ran ran right into the end zone. I mean, personally, tell us a little bit about what it's been like, um, you know, for the Yellow Jackets in the spring season. Obviously, not the same as you know prior years, but one thing that was kind of unique—you uh, got to play in the really what was the first ever OdaC Conference Championship game. It's hard to believe that you that this you know old dominion virginia conference has been around for so long and this is actually the very first time there's there's been a true uh, championship game what was the, what was this spring like for you and what was it like kind of leading up to knowing that hey you know if we we can keep this thing rolling we have a chance to play for a, a title and ultimately on your own home field
2: yeah so when we first heard we weren't gonna have a season in the fall um over the summer we were all kind of you know disappointed uh we all kind of saw it coming but you know, hearing it for the first time, it was kind of heartbreaking to a lot of guys on the team um, because we all go to Randolph-Macon because we love football, you know. Um, that's the one thing that, you know, makes everyone go to Randolph-Macon is that we're a football school. And, um, you know, so when we first heard that we weren't going to have a season, we were all kind of disappointed. Um, and, you know, we took that as a negative and we, we turned it into a positive and we worked, uh, I'd say, as hard as we ever have this past fall, uh, you know, the whole entire semester. and. We didn't even know if we were going to play a spring season So at that point. Um, so there were times where we thought, you know, what are we doing this for? And, you know, um, are the seniors going to be able to play their last season with us? But we kept our heads down. We came to work every single day. And I couldn't be more prouder uh, of a group of guys that came together and were able to accomplish something as big as this. You know, we didn't even know if we were going to get all five games in. Um, throughout the middle of the season, it could have gotten canceled at any point. Um, it's yeah. a lot of people tested positive or whatever. So, uh, it was a really, you know, mentally exhausting, you know, year for our whole team, um, and emotionally and physically, especially as well. So, um, but we all came together as a team and coach always says, you know, if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together. And, you know, that's what we did. We went together as a team and everybody on the team did their job. And coach always preached that as well, you know, do your job and everything's going to work out just fine. So um, I'm so proud of our group of guys. You know, defense played lights out on Saturday, and they're, they're really the MVPs of that game. Um, so they, we had, they had our backs all season long whenever we needed them. And, you know, it was a great team effort we put out there on Saturday.
0: I want to ask you more about the game in a second, actually. Uh, you brought up a little bit about kind of the uh, progression over the last, uh, what, now two years. Uh, but. Not everybody realizes you started six games in your freshman year uh, or freshman season in 2019, uh, at least according to the stats. uh, I think you played eight games total. And to have that happen, it takes a level of confidence in a quarterback, uh, especially in the ODAC, that is unique. And so you play those games. You, as you said, almost lose the entirety of fall and spring, but you get spring back. What level of importance is that spring for your progression, Presley, uh, you know, moving forward? And how do you think it makes you, in terms of skill level, compared to other quarterbacks that might not have been as fortunate to play this spring?
2: Yeah, well, any game that you're able to play in gives you more experience. And, you know, when I first heard that we were going to be able to play a five-game season possibly, that first thing I thought of was, you know, more more opportunities to get better more opportunities as our, for our team to get better. And, you know, we were going into the spring season basically saying, hey, you know, no matter what happens, we're, we're getting ready to go for fall of 2021. You know, we're getting ready, we're getting prepared. And these games just added a lot more, uh, you know, of a level for us to, you know, improve. And I feel like we improved every single game over the course of the season. And in my mind, I still didn't think we played a full game on offense, defense, and in special teams, all five of those and any of those games. So looking back on that, it was a great opportunity for our team to be able to get those five free games. And uh, looking forward to the fall, you know, we're able to really, you know, we really took a big step being able to play this spring. Yeah, well, I, I will I will
1: sort of challenge you a little bit there because I saw I saw what your offense did against your rivals hamden Sydney and that was a pretty lopsided box score when you looked at the number of yards that your offense put up compared to theirs, um, but you know this uh, this Emory and Henry team you know their last uh, D three game and and they they came to play and they they were they did their best to try to to win this game. What's it like for you as an as a quarterback? You know, trying to lead an offense when Basically, let's face it—you guys were struggling for most of the game. It was a really defensive battle. Um, you have to give the Wasps some credit—they really you know, made some some big plays—and and they made things challenging for you guys there. But of course, you got that touchdown pass there about nine minutes and, and, and forty seconds or so into the fourth quarter. Was that sort of the kind of the initial spark of like, oh, okay, you know, we 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 can do this. Like we, we we've been struggling for three quarters, but we get we got the score. Let's kind of finish this thing off.
2: Yeah, well, we knew that they were going to be a really good defense going in. You know, we watched a lot of film on them throughout the whole week, and um, they're fast guys. you got some big guys up front. Uh, They're they're guys, you know, second-level guys, linebackers. They can fly around a little bit. So we knew going into the game that it was going to be a tough game. And Coach told us before the game, look, this is going to be a game that it's going to come down to the end, and we're going to have to play all four quarters if, you know, we're going to want to come out on top. So. At times when you know we would drive and then we'd stall out, you know it was you know frustrating obviously for our offense. You know defense had our back all game long, and you know I can't you know thank them enough for playing such a great game. You know hats off to them um, for playing such a great game and having our back the whole entire game. Um, but when it got down to the fourth quarter, you know we're, we we're always told you know we're built for four quarters. You know we're not built for the first half. We're not built you know to get off to a slow start so it's a it's a full four quarter game, and you know we had to keep our heads in the game and actually it went longer than four quarters so we had to you know stay in the game mentally it was an exhausting game, and there we had really good defense, True. but we had a we had a really good defense as well so
0: let's go back to the play uh we get we got to talk about what happens after uh because uh, we've seen numerous angles we've seen the celebration we've seen uh you know plenty of it but I mean, what happens after a a situation like that? I'm sure the exhaustion didn't really kick in uh, initially with the adrenaline uh, that went through. Uh, What's been the reaction, uh, you know, in Yellow Jackets Nation and uh, everything else uh, that you've uh, been a part of the last couple of days since uh, scoring that touchdown?
2: Well, when something like that happens, you know, emotions kind of take over. Like you said, all the exhaustion didn't really set in. Um, until a while after, but, you know, it just all comes to fruition. Finally, that, you know, all of our hard work that we did in the fall that we did, you know, in the winter months, January, February, it all was was starting to pay off. And, you know, we knew it was going to pay off. And we knew that, you know, it was going to take a little time to see, like, you know, be able to reap the benefits of those. But, you know, coach always tells us every day, you know, there's difference between delayed gratification, and, you know, getting gratification immediately. And if you wait and you delay your gratification at the end, it's going to be so much greater. So, you know, it's hard to stay. It's hard to look at it from that mindset. But if you do look at it from that mindset, at the end of the day, it really is something special that, you know, you and your team can, you know, be able to reap the benefits of. And that's what we were able to do, you know, working out this entire fall and coming back in the spring and, you know, staying the course, keeping our head in it. And, you know, we were able to come out on top. So what's
1: next for for the Yellow Jackets, Presley? I mean, I imagine you guys are um enjoying a little bit of the you know the the off season now. You'll have a little break, uh, but you know, August and preseason camp isn't too far down the road. I mean, is there gonna be like a little downtime for you guys, or is it you know, we're gonna enjoy this win for a couple more days and it's and it's back to work and and you know getting ready for uh the twenty twenty one campaign?
2: Yeah, well this is the you know. The shortest turnaround we've ever had in the season before, you know, going from a spring season right into the fall of the same year. So we're going to have probably a couple more days off and then we're going to get right back to work. Um, You know, coach always tells us you can't get complacent. And, you know, just because we won doesn't mean we're going to win next fall either. So we got to get right back to work and, you know, heal all of our bumps and bruises over the next two or three days. And then uh, we're right back to work. So we're getting ready to go for the fall of 2021
0: got to ask you one thing. Uh, I've become friends with uh, the ODAC uh, Commissioner, Assistant Commissioner, uh, Brad Bankston, and, and J.J. Neklov over the years from my uh, involvement with the Stag Bowl uh, when it was in Salem especially. Uh, I was actually chatting with uh, J.J. Uh, the other day uh, via text. The, the job they've done in just, or not just football, but in all the sports seems to be second to none. We've seen some real Problem children uh, conferences out there, not naming names, uh, but uh, your conference seemed to go, you know, lights out completely okay. And I mean, between the web streams uh, that were quality and Friday Night Action, and like you said, uh, most of the games got played, everything else. Uh, What do you have to say to the ODAC and to Randolph-Macon itself for, you know, the administration buying into this and going forward with it? Because not all ODAC schools did so.
2: Yeah, well, first off, the ODAC does a great job of being able to, you know, like you said, be able to put all these things together. Um, I know it took a lot of hard work. I know it took a lot of, you know, thought to put in, you know, is it going to be worth playing five games and, you know, whether it's going to pay off or not, but, You know, I know our entire football program at Randolph-Macon is so grateful um, for our administration, you know, for able to let us play these games. And they don't know how happy it makes us to be able to go out and practice together. And because, you know, we can't go into each other's rooms. We can't go off campus together. We can't do many things with our teammates. So practice was the only way that we could see each other. And, you know, being able to play a game that you love with your teammates, and that's the only time you get to see them, you can't ask for anything more than that and um you can't you just we, i can't thank our administration and the school enough for what they were able to let us do this spring you know it, it means so much to our program and it meant a lot to our our staff and all of our players for all the hard work that we put in so i,
0: I you know awesome. i'm listening to you and everything you've said is like tremendous, uh, and Coach Arruza should be thrilled uh, that you, you uh, quote him back uh, quite often. It's just, it, it amazes me, you are a sophomore who is more uh, poised than many seniors that we have on this show. Uh, you're going to go far if you keep that up, uh, my friend, not just on the football field, but elsewhere. What is your major out of curiosity?
2: I'm a business major with a concentration in finance.
0: Hey, J.B., so so sign him up. in
2: business. Of- yeah,
0: yes, sir <laughs> You've got a banker down there. I'm a lawyer and a land developer. You don't want to bother with me talk to him. But anyway, uh, we're going to give it a chance here, as we do for all of our student athletes for shout outs, any family friends, teammates, coaches, significant others, anybody that might be watching, Presley Egbers, The floor is yours.:
1: You know,
2: I have so many shout outs to make, but I can just you know shout out everyone that's helped you know, me personally get here. And, you know, especially at Ranoff, making our whole coaching staff, you know, I-, I can't, you know, put into words how much they mean to this program and how much of an impact they have on our players. You know, this whole year was really hard for us. It was, you know, probably one of the hardest years that any team has had ever had to go through. Um, not just our team, but any team in the ODAC being able to, you know, play all these games. We can't take any overnight trips. So um, we had to go long distances on the same day at some time. So, um, but i can't give enough credit to our whole program the way that we were able to you know weather the storm when things weren't going our way in the fall you know in january and february before the season started and even throughout the season you know like i said we i haven't been in any of my teammates rooms i haven't you know hung out with them at all outside of football this entire year and that's something that you know took a lot of time for guys to get used to and you know it was really um, you know, sometimes you're not having a great day and you just want to go talk to a teammate, but you really can't. So, you know, yeah. you had to make it, you had to make things, you know, happen. And um, a lot of social distancing, a lot of wearing masks. We were outside lifting in the 35 degree weather in the fall because we couldn't be inside. So, you know, a lot of people say our generation is not that tough, but, you know, Yellow Jacket football <laughs> is toughness. You know, It's the definition of toughness. Um, and I can't, you know, I just can't give enough credit to our team and our program for the way we were able to handle this whole year, so.
0: Okay, give me your view on Presley Egbers, because I was blown away by the maturity in this interview. I gotta be honest with you.
1: I mean, you know, this like I was saying before, this show is about this is we're starting to get into sort of the championship weeks and weekends here. You know, Presley is definitely a, a even though he's a very young man, still has ways to go in in his football career you know he's a champion and he has the mindset of a champion and he led his team um to a championship by you know you just listen to the guy he he's he's sort of like the you know the 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 tom brady there down in virginia it's about the team it's not he doesn't take any of the individual credit as much as maybe folks like you and me from the media want to you know bestow that upon him but at the end of the day that's that's what you need um you know, leading your football program i'm sure his. His coaches and you know the other teammates around really appreciate that that he is such a, a modest and humble guy uh, who leads by example and isn't you know taking all the credit for uh, for the good and and I'm sure he, you know he shoulders some of the burden when they when they do struggle and they did for a long time against this soon to be Division two team in Emory and Henry um, but hey it's a I think it's the twelfth or maybe the thirteenth Odak championship for uh, the Yellow Jackets but the uh, First time that there's ever a championship game um, in that conference, which is really interesting. And Frank, maybe if there's one takeaway of this spring season that I would love to see in the fall, let's do more, you know, conference championship games, please, because this has been great. I mean, the SAA, you know, Barry versus Hendricks, outstanding game, this game, um, outstanding uh, the even the ASC although it started off a little lopsided you know Harden Simmons came back and made it interesting I mean, these i think these conference um, the sort of divisional one versus one uh, games really adds a lot to um to to the sport and so maybe we'll see some more in the fall maybe not i guess it'll you know scheduling is still kind of up in the air with with covid and, and so on but Hopefully, we'll get to see some more action like this because it really makes it so much more exciting when you have, um, you know, just a little more at stake and and you know you get these great moments that you'll remember for a long time.
0: I've well, we always said that uh, as the NCAA Division III automatic qualifier system is pushed down to a certain number of automatic or of uh, at-large bids, excuse me, that using a conference championship forced system to sort of pre select teams or knock certain teams out so we, we could regain some more at-larges in that manner might be the way to go with it, ultimately. And uh, yeah. we, we've seen in the old days, uh, what was the old big conference in um, New England there? Uh, uh, the NEFC,
1: the Bogan yes. and Boyd. The yep. 16 team, they had the two eight-team uh, divisions. They would play head-to-head, and the winner would get the NEFC automatic bid to the tournament.
0: And the NCAA allows an extra game if you do that as well. Uh, they were allowed to play, I believe, an 11th game uh, as a result of that as well. So it's, a, it's an interesting idea. Um, if you make a divisional system, though, conferences, please remember, define your tiebreakers very specifically. That's tomorrow's show. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. But since this is the YD3 show, and we have the best uh, candidate uh, to talk about that, uh, or at least represent that idea in Presley-Egbers, we're going to end the show now you know, while we can uh, save some face here and uh, give you, I think, uh, a good representation of the best of Division Three, especially in the football area that we have to offer. So, folks, we'll see you Wednesday and Friday this week. But in the meantime, have a great day.